0: Church, come on 11 o'clock, y'all ready to worship Jesus?
1: taking in every season of life. We're gonna take a moment, we're gonna celebrate the beautiful callback of reverence and reminder of the cross and the grave and the resurrection in communion. If you would, if you're on the end of the aisle, go ahead and grab one of those communion buckets and grab an element and pass it down. As you're getting your elements ready, I believe we should start every communion moment with a a call to reflect. Where's the posture of our heart right now? Where do we feel like we stand in relation to God? Maybe you've been a believer for a long time and you feel like you're just distant, like you've just wandered, God is somewhere out there. Maybe you feel like you've committed so many sins that how could a loving and just God welcome you back in? Maybe you've never put your faith in God in the first place. Now's the moment. I wanna pray, as we put our hearts in this posture, I wanna pray that we all just have a moment of saying, God, I recognize. I recognize that my sin was worthy of separation from you, but you took it upon yourself to take on the skin of man, to bear my sins, to be raised on a cross, buried in a tomb, and then resurrected three days later. You extended a grace I didn't deserve. So in this moment, just kind of pause, take a deep breath, just kind of center your spirit. Father, as Psalm 51 says, create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in us, Father. No matter where we are, no matter what sins have been present in our life, we submit them to you now. Jesus, you are our Christ, our Messiah, our Redeemer, our Savior, we put our hope and our faith and our trust in you again in this moment or maybe for the first time in this moment. If you would, peel open the top of your communion and get the wafer out. For those who may be new to communion, it's a a celebration of what Christ did, but it didn't start out that way. It started out as a remembrance of what God did for his people. When he brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt and they wandered in the desert, he provided for them, he sustained them, and then he carried them in to the land he had always promised them. God ordained this meal called the Passover meal once a year to say, hey, this is a moment to pause and to reflect on how I brought you out of Egypt, how I worked out the Egypt that was in you, I brought healing inside of you, how I called you my people and how I put you in a purpose in a place. And so every year they would celebrate this Passover meal. And Jesus did this with his disciples before going to the cross just a few nights. They were in the upper room. You've seen maybe the painting that Michelangelo did of the last supper and they're just kind of sitting there. They're taking this Passover meal, which consisted of a bread that was broken, unleavened bread and passed around that called their attention back to how God provided manna for them in the wilderness. Where there was no food, God sustained them. But Jesus said this night, as we're getting ready to celebrate, I'm actually gonna give new meaning. I'm gonna bring permanent fulfillment to the celebration that we've been celebrating all these years. One of those things that comes with the broken body of Jesus is is a healing to the separation between us and God. Scripture says that when he hung on the cross and he gave up his life, the veil was torn from top to bottom. That was a veil that separated the presence of God from all of mankind. With Jesus' broken body and submitting of his spirit, he restored and healed a relationship with God. And with that relationship comes access to a holy and just God who was before all of creation and who will continue to be and who operates in our midst. When you see that God in scripture, you see he does incredible and miraculous things. So through the broken body of Christ, we have access to God, our Father, who heals physically who heals mentally, who heals emotions, who helps with grief, who helps with anxiety, who helps with depression. So right now, as we remember the broken body of Christ, let's pray for that part of our relationship with God. God, we thank you that the broken body of Christ gave us access to you. And Father, when we have access to you, there's no telling what you can do with what we surrender to you. So right now, if there's ailments in our body, we surrender them to you, and we call them healed by the sacrifice of Jesus by the relationship he restored to you. Father, if there's dis-ease in our mind and in our emotions, we pray for peace to anxiety. We pray for peace to depression. We pray for hope right now in the name of Jesus, and we claim it as ours. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We take the bread and we break it, and we remember the body of Christ that was crucified for us. If you would, take your juice cup and open it up as well. The body that paid for our sins, all those years there had been all of these sacrifices, every day, every month, every year, but Jesus' body was the once and forever sacrifice for us, but it didn't stop there because the washing of sin required the shedding of blood. And so the cup we take represents Jesus' blood The cups they passed around represent what God had done in them. And Jesus says, I now bring fulfillment to what God wants to do in your life. Through my blood, your sins are paid for once and for all. Through my blood, you are seen by God as just even though you're not. He sees you through me is what Christ says. So we come boldly before the throne of grace with confidence, not because we earned it, but because the blood of Jesus was shed for us. So we take this cup and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. If you would, those of you on the end of the row, pass that container for our elements down. And then as you put your elements in there, I wanna pray over us. Father, in holy moments like this, our hearts and our spirits are called back to what you've done. God, we thank you for paying for our sins we thank you for bringing your glory and your relationship back into our lives thank you for doing it all on your own so that we can receive it and walk in it and to you be all the glory and the honor and the praise in jesus name amen 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 come on let's give him praise this morning hey do me a favor as you get ready to have a seat turn around and see somebody you don't know and tell them good morning
2: Amen. Hey, Victory family. It's great to be with you all this morning. And in the same way, we would love for you to do the exact same thing in the chat. Go ahead and greet your neighbor wherever you're joining us from. I wanted to uh, go ahead and say hi to Rose on YouTube. It's great to be with you, not to see you this morning. Uh, Rochelle on uh, live.victoryatl and also Alma from Arizona. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. It must be a lot warmer over there than it is over here. <laughs> But it's great to have some familiar faces on with us. And we also know that we've got some first timers with us too. So if it is your first time, we just wanted to take a second to say welcome. And we're so glad that you're here with us. We'd love to encourage you to check out connecttovictory.com. That's our central hub where you can find out everything you need to know about Victory. That way you can know what we're about, what we've got coming up. And also we would love to hear about your visit today. And if you'd like to get connected here at Victory, that's the best place that you can do it. So if it is your first time here, go ahead and go over to the new here section of Connect to Victory. And if you're already part of the family, this is also where you can continue your worship through your giving and also where you can find out about everything that we've got coming up. Pastor Steven and Lizette earlier were talking about the new merch that we've got, and you guys can see I've got it here with me, too. Uh, It's so comfy and it's perfect. It's nice and basic, but like Pastor Steven was saying, it's a great conversation starter. So it's a great evangelism tool in addition to being able to rep your favorite church just like you rep your favorite sports team. But if you want to go check out that QR code, you can go to the shop. You can see all the pieces that we've got, but just like Liz said it is selling out fast, so make sure you check that out today if you're interested. But also at connecttovictory.com, you can find out more information about our fast. This is day eight and this has been an incredible week and we're just getting started. And the cool part is if you haven't started fasting with us, it's not too late. If you were here with us before service, you had pastor heard Pastor Summer talking to us about the meaning of fasting and where we're at. But this is just a time where we kind of step back on the things that are a bigger priority in our life than Christ. And instead we're choosing to put Christ first. So we encourage you to text FAST to 203040. That'll sign you up for some daily devos to help you kind of walk alongside you on that journey. But then also I wanted to let you know about something super exciting we have coming up. This is probably my favorite event that we do at Victory. It's It's a night completely just of worship and prayer and this is how we're going to close out our fast. So on Friday, January 27th, make sure you join us. We'll have it live streamed for you, but if you can be here in person at any of our campuses, we highly encourage you to. This is a time just to be able to soak in his presence and to be able to receive and give praise back to God, but also it's so cool just corporately being able to celebrate the fast that we just completed together. and, you, you know, we're all uh, in this together and praying together. So it's cool to be able to do that together. But we wanna go ahead and pray over our hearts and our giving as we get ready to go into service today. So God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that your presence is already with us. So God, we just ask that uh, you come and you give us ears to hear what you are saying, uh, that you give us eyes to see, and God, that you would open up our hearts. So God, we give this day to you and we ask that you go with us as we continue in service today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to get ready to jump into service and make sure you stick around with us afterwards. We've got some incredible stuff coming up. We'll see you then.
3: Good morning, Victory. What's up, guys? Hey, let's real quick. We got the entire family with us today. We got our entire online family here locally as well as globally. We got all of our campuses with us today. We got all of the house churches with us today. So come on, let's welcome in. We got the whole family today. What's up, guys? Hey, also, there's one other really, really, really special group of people with us in all the buildings today, and that's all the Georgia Bulldogs fans. What's up, yo? Back to back. Back to back. Hey, no, for real. I know we got a lot of Alabama fans as well. Uh, and this is what it's just felt like for the rest of the country the last 10 years. To watch you guys do it. So now you get to watch it. All right, okay, hey. Um, Listen, listen, listen. I I believe that God is doing some really cool things in our midst, uh, even just beyond what God's doing in the Bulldogs, amen. Um, But I I am pumped for the new year. Listen, I am pumped. I know God's up to something big. Come on, everybody say big. Big Big with you and with your family and with Victory and this family. Uh, And the best way I know how to say it is this. I felt it building for years but now I feel it boiling. Come on, I feel like what God has been doing has been building, but now I feel it about to boil over the sides. Like how many of y'all feel like God is up to something pretty special right now, right? Especially if you're fasting right now, like with us, right? Um, and, And that makes me really excited because that means God's up to something special with all of us, right? Because this, here's our reminder, right? Like this is not victory, Right? Like, this is not victory. The walls, the the drywall, the bricks, you know, the mortar, the lights, the ceiling. Like, that's not victory. We are victory. Right? Like, come on, Midtown, you are victory. Hamilton Mill, you are victory. North Cobb, you're victory. Online, you're victory. House Church is your victory. We are the church. We are victory. So here's the cool thing, guys. If God's doing something special at victory, and you're a part of victory, then that means God's doing something really special with you, too. Right. But here's here's kind of the big idea that's guiding us through these few weeks here as we kick off the year is we need to really all be on the same page about who we are and what we're all about so that when God says go, we all run in the same direction. All right, we all move in the same direction. We all work in the same direction. As a friend of mine likes to say, we all point our cannons in the same direction. Like we're we're putting all of our energies in the same direction. But in order to do that, we need to be all on the same page, right? And here's the reality. We've all come into victory at different times and in different seasons. So inevitably, we all kind of have like little different ideas about who we are and what we're supposed to be about, right? Like, so I, I meet you guys all the time. I know there are people here today for the first time And there's people here today who've been here for decades, right? In fact, last week, we've we've actually got the the numbers in. We actually had more than 3,000 more people in our buildings last week than we did in December. So there's a lot, like there's a whole lot swirling, right? Like there's um, some of you, you've been watching online and it's your first time in the building, right? Because I'm meeting you out there, right? Like uh, um, some of you, it's your first, like your friend dragged you here today at Midtown. Maybe you're here, you know, you're here in this space, whatever it is. Um, You somehow found your way online, whatever it is. And so some of you, it is your first time. Others have, as I bounce around to the campuses, I see the familiar faces of people who have been the backbone of victory for decades, right and and so we're all kind of here together and here's the thought okay if we're going to be more than attendees who sit next to each other and actually become a family who does life together then we need to know who we are what we're about why we're about it how God has called us to do it, and maybe even freshly, what is God saying to the house today, okay? Because ultimately, what I really wanna do is I wanna invite you to make this part of who you are, just like over the years, it's become part of who I am so that corporately, by the time these few weeks are over, we'd actually be able to say together, we are victory, right? We are victory. So here's the big question, right? Like, who is victory? What's the DNA? What's the calling of God on the house that you call home? So last week, if you were with us, uh, the best way I know how to say it is we did first things first, right? What's the most important thing that we could ever be about? And here's here's how we said it, is that victory is a place and a people who are built on, directed by, and fueled through God in prayer, right? Like Jesus said this, these are red letters. Jesus says, my house will be called a house of prayer. That every significant move, every significant moment, every significant breakthrough that victory has ever um, uh, experienced has been birthed in and fueled by God in the place of prayer. Is that we are a house of prayer. If we're going to rise, if we're going to fall, if we're going to forsake everything else, let us forsake everything except for prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. So today, if I could just say, hey, let's take another step. What is the next most important thing about the house that you call home? Here it is. Here it is. Here's how I'd say it. Is that victory is a place and a people who are dedicated to and guided by the vision God has given this church. Everybody say vision. 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 Come on, Midtown, Hamilton, Mill, North Cop. Vision. All right. See, here's what I feel like God's saying is that if we're gonna accomplish what God has called us to do as the people of God here where we find ourselves, then there has to be a corporate yes to the vision that God has given us, okay? Now, here's the deal, though. Okay, let's just go ahead and say it. Vision can be a really tricky thing because a lot of people confuse vision with mission, all right? And those are two different things, all right? Vision is different than mission. A lot of people have mission, but very few people have Vision. In fact, God gives us the mission at the very beginning. And I say very beginning like the very beginning in Genesis 1. Let's go there. Genesis 1, verse 27. What is the mission that God has given us? So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. All right, let's, let's find out what's happening right here, okay? Is that God creates Adam and Eve, all right? God, here, here's the deal. Maybe you're new to this whole thing. You did, not, um, you did not get here because there was a cosmic accident billions of years ago. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and some dust landed on a rock and eventually turned into goo that learned how to swim, That crawled out and grew lungs, turned into a monkey, ate enough bananas that it became you. (laughs) That is not how this whole thing happened. Okay? A lot of people are like, oh, I can't, that's such a ridiculous statement that God created humanity. Well, what's the alternative? Okay, that takes even more faith, okay? God, creator God, formed us, whoo, breathed on it, and became a man, and we are created in the image of God. What does that mean, okay? I think it means a whole lot of things, but I think it means that God himself put inside us an eternal spirit. God himself put in us a fight for the underdog, a knowledge between right and wrong, a, a, a hunger for things greater than what we can see that are many times inexplicable. Uh, he put his gifts and his talents and his abilities on the inside of us, that those things are not innate to us. They don't begin our birth with us. They are shared by God with us. What is that? That's the imago day. That's the image of God. So you are made in the image of God but then he says this here's the here's the mission be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it so god creates in the image of god then what does he say he says now go listen now as image bearers go and create more image bearers that is the mission of god since the very beginning fill up the earth with others who bear the image of the father if we are made in the image of God, if we are the Imago Day, now we have the Missio Day. Now we have the mission of God. I'll say it like this We are the Imago Day and we have the Missio Day. We are the image of God and we have the mission of God. What's the mission of God? The mission of God is to be an image bearer of God who goes and produces, multiplies other image bearers of God. All right, that is God's mission for the world. That is God's mission for you. That's God's mission for me. That's God's mission for every single church, right? And then Jesus shows up on the scenes. God says it 100 different times throughout the Bible, but Jesus shows up on the scene and it says a statement that we think is disconnected. And in Matthew 28, if you're familiar, Jesus gives the great what? Commission, which is what? The co-mission, the mission with God. What's the mission with God in Matthew 28? Now go and make disciples, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, right? So it's just a different way of saying the original mission, right? We are image bearers who make other image bearers. We are disciples of Jesus who go make other disciples of Jesus. Every church and every Christian has the same mission. In fact, I love this statement, right? Is that God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. In other words churches don't get to choose whether or not you're gonna be about making disciples. That is just what we do, right? We are disciples, and we go make disciples. We are people who call on the name of Jesus and wanna be more like him, who wanna conform our life to his, who then turn and lead other people to faith, who they would conform their life to Jesus so that then they would go and do likewise, right? God's already given the mission to the family of God. God's already given the mission to the church. We don't get to make up that own mission. In fact, just kind of, can you just imagine in your mind what would happen, come on guys, what would happen in one generation if people stopped just going to church and started being disciples who made disciples? That's the mission, That's the mission of God on every single person. But here's the, again, this is not unique to any church. This is every church. In fact, I'd say this. Listen, I don't know how you got here today. I don't don't know if you're just viewing this online or whatever it is. Um, If you're part of a church that isn't about being a disciple, that makes disciples, run, run, run. Oh no, brother in the Lord, we're about the mysteries and the deeper things and and the revelational tendencies of the divine spirit and the whole, run. Get out of there, dude. All right, we're called to be be disciples who make disciples. That's the mission, all right, for all of us. But the mission is different than the vision, okay? Here's how I'd say it, okay? Is the mission is what God has called everybody to do. The vision is how God has called us to do it. That's unique to us. So the mission is to be a disciple who makes disciples. The vision is how God has called us to accomplish that greater mission. Does that make sense? So what what is vision itself? Okay, so a local, local pastor here, Andy Stanley, he said this. I think it's a great way of saying it. He said, vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Oh, I love that. Vision is the clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. In other words, vision, listen, is the thing that you can see with your eyes closed. Come on, vision is, I would just call it that prophetic sight that you can see, that God has just given you this this glimpse of, of, oh God, what could be? And then it's matched by the conviction that it should be. Vision is the thing that causes you to like pound the table in anger of like, why isn't anybody doing anything about that? Come on, you have something like that in your heart and then you're frustrated everybody else isn't as passionate about it as you are, right? Like I have people come up to me in the lobby. at Every campus, y'all, y'all are going up to your pastors and you're saying like, hey, we need to do something about this, right? So danger, warning, this is about what's gonna happen because some of y'all are gonna come up to us in the lobby and say something like this. You're gonna be like, we need to be doing something about this and that, that thing and that thing and that thing. Here's what I always ask Wow, can you see it? Like, yeah, I can taste it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Why, wow, you got a real passion for it? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we'll do it. I thought you would do it. Nah, man. I don't got time to put three committees together, fundraise. It'll be three years before we can do that. You can do it tomorrow. You can do it tomorrow. Why? Because God gave it to you. Stop trying to worm your way out of it and have somebody else do it for you. No, vision is that thing that makes you hungry. Vision is that thing that sets you apart from everything else. Vision is what makes you passionate when everybody else is stagnant. And vision is the thing that you pray to God to give you money for, why? To give provision for the vision, to accomplish the vision. Vision is the thing you just have to do. Vision is the thing that you would do for free if you were able to do it. Vision is the thing that guides your decision-making process. Should I go left? Should I go right? You don't know unless you have vision. What has God called you to accomplish? How has he called you to do it? Vision is what God has called you to accomplish. All right? So here's the question. What is the vision of victory? What's the vision of this house? So over 30 years ago, Uh, God spoke to our founding pastors, uh, Dennis and Colleen Rouse, and gave them the vision of this church found in Acts 1-8. Okay, maybe you're new to this whole faith thing. Where do I find the book of Acts? Okay, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, first chapter, eighth, eighth verse. These are the last words of Jesus on earth. So here's what happens with the rest of the book of Acts. The church is born, the church goes, does amazing things, but it comes back to how were they able to do that? It's birthed out of these last words of Jesus on earth that propelled the church into its mission and into its vision. So here, here's the here's the thing for us, guys. Let's let's take this seriously. These are the last words of Jesus on earth. Or say, okay, listen, I've read the end of the book. Jesus is still talking, okay? right? There's a lot of things Jesus, Jesus is talking a whole lot, guys, if we just listen. But in Acts 1-8, those are the last literal words of Jesus on earth. So think about it like this. If it's your last words, you're, you're, you're serious, right? Like, you ain't playing. Like, Jesus is not ascending in heaven. He's like, hey, guys, don't forget to return that overdue library book. <laughs> Jesus ain't playing games, right? Like, you're sitting on your deathbed. You're not like, I'll be back. Like, it's not you ain't playing games. These are serious words. So what does Jesus say? What is so serious that as he's about to ascend into heaven, Jesus would actually use his breath here on this earth to say it, Acts one Here it is. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. Woo! When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This right here is the heartbeat of victory. We just said back in the day that there's no better place to find the vision of a church than in the last words of Jesus on earth. This is, uh, this is one of the co-missions. This is one of the missions Jesus gave to the church. And he says this, all right, here, here's how it takes place. You will receive power. What, when, how will we get power? Through the Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, this is our reminder. We are a Holy Spirit people. We are a Holy Spirit people. There's like 12 of you here. I don't know, Hamilton Mill, the roof might be blowing off right now. I don't know, but right here, they're like, I don't know about this Holy Spirit. Who's this Holy Spirit you speak of? Listen, we are a Holy Spirit people, right? Here, here's what I mean. There's this really broken idea, and we see it on bumper stickers, like Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And so my life is just about You know, saying a prayer, and I go to church about 2.4 times a month, and you know, I try and be a good person, but I'm not. And I just know I'm forgiven. I know my job's just to fill a seat in church, and one day I'll die, and hopefully God will let me in. Come on, guys. We are saved and washed and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The stone has rolled away. Jesus is alive. And when he ascended, the spirit descended, right? And now we're not just empty. No, God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit because Jesus promised he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us, even to the very end. The Holy Spirit is God's seal of ownership upon us. And he wants to fill us with power of the Holy Ghost so we can do the same works that Jesus did because we have the same power Jesus had and the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. It lives on the inside of you. That's good news. I'm not perfect, just forgiven. <laughs> no, man, you feel it with the Holy Ghost. You, you have the power of God residing in your bones, right? And so what does Jesus say? He says, you're gonna get power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. To do what? To be my witnesses, to be people who share and to show the good news, to share and to show, to go and make disciples of the nations. So where do we go and show and share the good news? Where do we go when we make disciples? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, here's the deal. Uh, if you know this about me, I have a geography degree. I'm a geography major from the University of Georgia. Amen. <laughs> go dogs! Glory, hallelujah. Um, but what that means is whenever I hear geographic locations, my my The geographer in me perks up. I'm right. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Now, here's the deal. Jesus isn't just like picking names out of the sky. No, he's speaking to a people who live in that area, giving them almost like a geographic spiritual roadmap on how to begin living out, being a disciple of Jesus who goes and makes disciples of Jesus. And so if you look at the map, these Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, they're almost like concentric circles moving out. Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And what's really cool, if you read all the way through the book of Acts, you actually see the early church go into Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth, right? Because they're fulfilling the mission and the vision that Jesus gave them, all right? So God spoke really clearly to us here at Victory about what that means for us. So God has called us to go into Jerusalem, Okay, for these guys, what was Jerusalem? Jerusalem was their backyard. Jerusalem was where they lived, work, and play. Jerusalem was their home. So for us, what is the first thing that God has called us to do as the vision of the church? The first thing is this, is to build strong families, to build strong families. Victory began with a burden for the state of the family, all right? We know this, guys. As the family goes, so goes the nation. If you want to destroy a nation, the first thing you do is destroy the family. And we see that playing out with our very eyes, right? So what happened was we looked out and we saw the state of fatherhood. We saw a fatherless generation. We saw countless single mother homes. And because of that almost um, cocktail of all that, we saw a spiritual crisis, we saw a sexual crisis, we saw an economic crisis, We saw a leadership crisis and we just kind of looked at that and we're like, wait a second, Jesus can change that. Come on, guys, how many of you know that God cares about the family? I mean, come on, how many of you know that God, the gospel can revolutionize the family? And over the decades, one of the coolest things that I've been able to see with my own eyes is the power of God at work in our families, right? Like maybe you've been a part of this for a while. We have seen singles, Break generational curses, right? Enter into healthy lifestyles. Actually, some of them enter into healthy marriages and impart generational blessing into their children when they thought it was impossible. And we've seen other singles have amazing, successful single lives, not having to be married. Come on, somebody, you can be okay without a ring on that finger. We've seen other marriages be brought back from divorce. Come on, guys, we wanna see divorce die in our midst. We believe that's possible with the gospel, right? My own marriage was saved from the jump in small group. We were in a married small group, and God, I, I was an idiot, and so I needed somebody you know, to speak. All right, so hey, I know there's no other idiots in here, no guys, it's just me. So listen, we've seen disconnected husbands get reconnected. We've seen wives who are swept up in adultery, right, get rescued and restored. We've seen rebellious teenagers who are hard-hearted against the gospel, get called home, born again, and redeemed. We've seen the hearts of the fathers reconnected back to the hearts of the children, and the hearts of the children restored back to the hearts of the fathers. And we hold tightly, listen, we hold tightly to what Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 27. He said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Guys, we believe that here. I don't know if you believe it, We we believe it for you. And so whatever miracle you're crying and asking and seeking out to God for in your family, it is possible in Jesus' name. There is no marriage that's too far gone. There's no husband that's too far gone. There's no wife that's too far gone. There's no kids that are too far gone. There's no parents that are too far gone. Come on, that God cannot revolutionize and redeem and restore. And one of the things that God loves to do more than anything else is roll stones away and bring dead things back to life. It's possible. If it's impossible with man, I'm here to remind you, it's possible with God. It's possible with God. One of the things I love about this house is that a lot of churches um, babysit the adults, or babysit the kids so they can minister to the adults. Here at Victory, we babysit you guys so we can minister to your kids. We babysit the adults so we can minister to the kids. Like, I I believe this. I, I say this unashamedly. I believe the best ministry that happens in Victory Happens with your kids. Yeah. Happens with Next Gen. I do, I believe that. I believe that, I believe that. It does, not, not like anything bad. Listen, if you were like really like this, then your kids would love that, right? And, and I remember uh, back in the day, right? Like, so Summer and I started uh, attending Victory in 98. Uh, I was going to college, so I made a thousand excuses why I couldn't serve. And so it was 2000, year 2000, when she started serving in two-year-old room. And I was a smart man, uh, so I started serving with her. Right, because we were dating. I was like, hey, let's... I Oh my two-year-old taking my girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I remember we get in, we get in there and uh, uh, there was like this application, right? And so they asked me and they said, hey, what's your vision for children's ministry? And I remember, I still vividly, I remember this. I looked at someone and I laughed. I was like, ha, vision? One, I don't even know what a vision is. But two, I said, my, my vision for, for two-year-olds is to keep them from murdering each other. Like, is literally my vision. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know nothing from nothing. Like, I, I was just like, I'm just showing up, right? I have no vision for this. And I was missing the entire point. Why? Because the point of children's ministry is not daycare. We don't offer daycare at Victory. The point of children's ministry is children's ministry. And so one of the things that I've come to love, listen, now, 20-whatever years later, that I have sons of my own is that my sons were raised up in this house. My sons came to know the Lord in this house. My sons became disciples of Jesus in this house because of the work of this house, right? And listen, I, I don't say this pointed at anybody. I, can, I literally don't even have a face in mind. I don't see anybody here. Maybe there are other campuses. Nobody called me this morning and asked me to say this. I am so glad that I was not one of the parents who say, hey, um, uh, I'm gonna drag my kid, bored out of their mind, into this space. And then I'm gonna say, like, hey, how dare you say I can't bring my screaming baby in this room? <laughs> Jesus said, don't stop the little children from coming to him. Exactly. Exactly. That's why we've spent millions of dollars creating environments that are perfect for your kids, perfect for my kids. Tens of thousands of hours, thousands of volunteers going into these spaces. Listen, this space, our adult spaces, are not made for six months olds, two year olds, three year olds, five year olds to sit there in color, and they're completely bored out of their mind. We've created spaces where they can meet Jesus, and I'm so glad my kids were able to come up in these spaces and meet Jesus, and we're having conversations about Christ on the way home. I love that. In fact, can we just for a second, can we give some love to all of our Victory Kids volunteers, our team? Slow clap, just get the slow clap. Slow clap stank face for you, just right there. Y'all my people, y'all my heroes. In fact, I, say I, I would be remiss if, if, I, if I didn't uh, say this, I'm gonna put this up here. Um, I wanna give you the opportunity to connect into building families. Um, if you wanna get connected to Victory Kids, here's what I love about our Victory Kids. Like they don't believe in childcare because I've talked to them and they often cry when they talk about how much they love your kids. Listen, all your kids got, got aunties and uncles in this church, and I love that, and so do mine. And so if you want to get connected, really in any way, shape, or form, but especially in Victory Kids, you got a heart for the family. Like, listen, let's take another step. Let's not just be an observer. Let's be a participant in the family. Because here, here's the idea, guys. We believe in building families. So this, is, this is why we, have, uh, we often will do workshops for parents uh, to help you uh, help your kids navigate social media drama, um, to, help you, to help you help your kids navigate porn culture. Come on. We actually have here at Norcross, uh, we're experimenting with it. We have a new sixth grade ministry. This is one of my favorite things that we're doing right now Um, uh, because we saw it as kind of like this hinge moment between leaving elementary and stepping into ultimately high school and beyond. And this sixth grade ministry is really focused on preparing them to leave childhood behind and step into young adulthood. And it ends with a, um, what we would call a rite of passage uh, sort of moment where parents and pastors can lay hands on your kids and say, hey, today you're no longer a child. Today you're a woman. Today, you're a man. And we're we're, we're gonna unpack that and roll that out to all the other campuses. But I love that because, again, we're building strong families. We're not trying to reparent 40-year-olds who weren't parented when they were 10. We're trying to instill this stuff young so it grows up and bears a harvest as they grow older, right? We have a thriving youth ministry here that our our kids, listen, our kids are showing up not as thermometers, but thermostats. They're not showing up as the ones who are influenced, but they're actually um, thriving in the school's that God is planting them in. Uh, We have a whole young adult ministry here, which is my heart. This is where Summer and I got our start. And we're seeing hundreds of 20-somethings become more than conquerors and thrive as 20-somethings. We have pre-marriage classes so that you don't have to enter into marriage like an idiot. (laughs) We have marriage classes, and we also have Marriage on fire <laughs> meetings that you can have. Like if your marriage is on fire, you don't have to wait months to be able to meet with the pastor because our team's actually created victoryatl.com slash marriage help, slash marriage help, which today you can go to that site and, and schedule like a, a Zoom meeting tonight. Zoom meeting tomorrow with a marriage leader here in this house. Why? Why? Why go to all that work? Why spend all that money? Because God has called us to build strong families. In fact, if you're somebody who wants to have a strong family, welcome to victory. We are victory. This is us. This is us, all right? So Jesus says, go to Jerusalem. Then he says, "In all Judea. So if Jerusalem is the city, then Judea is the surrounding countryside. If Jerusalem is the city, if Jerusalem is your home, then Judea is your neighborhood. Judea is your community. So what has God called us to do? He's called us to build strong families, number two. He's called us to transform the community, all right. We believe this. We believe that if the church disappeared tomorrow, the community should notice, right? Do you agree with that? <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I, you know, I just I, I joke like this. I, I think if, if most churches disappeared tomorrow, people would drive by and they'd be like, "Hmm, isn't that where the Arby's used to be?" <laughs> now there's just a spirit Halloween story like in there, you know. So. <laughs> I've I've told all of our campus pastors this. I said, listen, guys, it is your job to conquer your community. That's the language language God gave us. It's your job to see the kingdom of heaven come and God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven and your community. So I told Mo, listen, Mo, I can't conquer Midtown. So I guess you and Victory Midtown are gonna have to conquer Midtown. I can't conquer North Cobb, so I told, I told Darius, I said, hey, listen, you're, I guess you and Victory North Cobb are going to have to conquer the, the northwest side of the city. I told Chris up at Hamilton Mill, I said, listen, I can't conquer that Mala, Georgia area, so I guess you and Victory Hamilton Mill are going to have to do it. Listen, guys, we're going to have to conquer Norcross. We're going to have to conquer Atlanta. God put us here for such a time as this. We're telling our online, we're telling our house churches, listen, I can't go to South Africa today, but you can. I can't go to the West Indies. I can't go to Jamaica. I can't go to California and Ohio and conquer those areas. But you can. You can. I believe, listen, in my bones, I believe it should be hard to go to hell in Atlanta. Because we're here. You're there. You're everywhere that God's planted you, wherever you are. It should be hard to go to hell because you're there. I love this. Charles Spurgeon said this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Guys, listen, it is our job to transform our community. Stop waiting for somebody else to do it. Mother Teresa said, we are the people we've been praying for. God, would you send somebody? He's like, I already did. You, you, God planted you in your community for a reason, to be a change agent. God is calling you to get involved in your school. God's calling you, bless the Lord, to get involved in your HOA. (laughs) And to let your light shine so that others would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our job is to not disconnect from this world. Our job is to dive, to cannonball into this world and to let our light shine. That's why we started House Churches, because we know that, that that as great as it is to get inside this room, most people are never gonna set foot here. Well, what would happen if we took the gospel out there? It's the reason why we have community transformation teams and this, what that is, is literally it's so many people across all the campuses locking arms with each other to transform their community. All right. This last semester, um, these are the stories we just don't tell. But this last semester, a school district reached out to us and said, hey, we're going to try something new. We're going to build some outdoor classrooms to get our kids outside. Not in January. They did this in August. Bless the Lord. Um and so we responded. We had some small group leaders step up. They partnered with what we call our Victory Home Services team or our repair team. And they went out there and created an outdoor classroom. Now, do, do, do we do in the newspaper? And do, No, no, listen, we're just transforming our community. We, we found out uh, also that um, for many families, there's a huge issue because they spend all their money trying to get into an apartment complex, move here, trying to get into an apartment complex, and they have no money for furniture. They have no money for food. And so what you have is you have kids eating out of cans on floors next door. While we're in here, having a great time, right? So what we did, we actually partnered with something called Fully Furnished Ministry here that was actually birthed out of this house, somebody in this house, right? And what it is, they receive furniture donations and some of you guys actually go around to people's apartments and homes and drop off that furniture in the name of Jesus and you pray with people. Do we make this big deal out of it? No, 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 no. No, we're just being salt and light. Why? Because God's called us to transform the community. And there are dozens of opportunities for this every single week that you can get involved in. And again, it's that same site. I don't want to miss the moment. We put up that serve graphic again. If you just go here at the bottom of the serve page is community transformation teams. Like, how do I get involved in what God's already doing in the community? There it is, right? Because God has called us to build strong families, and God's also called us to transform the community. And then, What Jesus says is he says you're gonna be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Here's the tricky thing about Samaria, right, is that uh, Samaritans and the Jews were arch enemies, but they lived right next to each other. Come on. There was historic hatred between each other, but they lived among each other. And so how God spoke that to us is we're called to reconcile cultures. And now listen, We're not talking about segregation, we're not talking about integration, we're not talking about toleration, we're talking about reconciliation. We're talking about healing, we're talking about loving one another, we're talking about being one people in Jesus' name. And we believe this, all right? We believe it is a condemnation on the church in America that Dr. King's words uh, in the letter from a Birmingham jail so many years ago are still true today, that the church hours in America are still the most segregated hours in America. Overwhelmingly, people still go to only one uh, race or one color, only churches. And um, what it does, it's a witness, it's a, it's a death witness, I would say, to the next generation who lives multicultural lives, who lives in a multicultural social media, who goes to a multicultural school, who has multicultural friends, but then they go to a homogeneous church. And what it looks like is Jesus is just for one group of people. And I'm not okay with that testimony. I'm not okay with us basically saying, hey guys, the blood of Jesus is enough to forgive us, but it's not enough to unite us. And I believe that God has called victory to change that. And we believe this, okay? This is the language God has given us, is that there is a higher culture above our earthly culture, and that's the kingdom culture, all right? That we are called beyond our own political preferences, beyond our own worship preferences, beyond our own preaching preferences. Come on, some of y'all grew up where it's like, hey, if you don't spray it, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Others of you are like, if you don't say it slow and methodical, and if I'm not asleep in 7 minutes then I didn't go to church come on guys we're we're called beyond presbyterian we're called beyond anglican we're called all the things that try and come in and divide us we're called beyond the, the Methodist Episcopal. Come on, we're called beyond all the titles. We're called beyond the educational. I just want to hang with my own. I just want to be with my own. The people who make the same amount of money I do who's from the same part of town that I am, speak with the same slang that I do. We can tell the same stories together. We're called above that to this thing called the kingdom culture, Amen. to the kingdom culture. We're called to be one people in Jesus' name. And so listen, let me just say this. If you're white, and you have a hard time following a black leader, it's just time to become a Christian.. If you're black and have a don't want to follow a Latino leader, time to get saved, bro? Time to get, this is what we're called. This is the kingdom. This isn't a victory thing. This is a kingdom agenda, right? So Revelation seven. John has a really good private time with the Lord, really good quiet hour. And in Revelation 7, he actually sees the image of heaven. He says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. John gets this glimpse of heaven, and it's everybody. Listen, guys, am I in the right place? Is anybody in here? Is anybody at any campus? Do you believe that the church here on earth should resemble the church in heaven? Right? That's what we're about, guys. That's what we're about. Listen, I think some people are gonna be surprised when they get to heaven and see there's not like a door and it says black on it. And you open up the door and it's the Donnie McClurkin in there. He's in there with Maverick City and they lead and worship. Right? Everybody's on beat. And then across the hall is the soundproof white door. Praise Father, Son, and Holy And nobody's on beat. Like. Chris Thomas in there having a good time, right? Then you walk into the Latino door and like, ah, fuego de Dios! Getting loco versus... You walk across, and then, then there's the Asian section, everybody's really polite, and they have a, have a potluck after service, and just get to know each other, have some kimchi, it's all good, right? I think some of us are gonna be shocked when we get to heaven and find out there's not little sections for everybody, but the whole thing is like this bowl of Skittles rainbow, people from every tribe, and every tongue, and every nation, and every language before the throne casting the crowns at Jesus' feet, saying, you're king, you're Lord over it all. And listen, those of us who grabbed a hold of it on this side are gonna say, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was God's will for us to be together. Knew we weren't all called out into our little cliques. Come on, above every denomination, above all the skin color stuff, above all the political stuff, man, there's one who unites us and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I love what God, listen, I didn't start this this vision here. I love what God has done historically through this house. We don't know for sure, but we've been told and we think we're the most multinational, multicultural church in America, possibly the world. Possibly the world. Over 130, over 140 nations here. In fact, if you weren't born in America, raise your hand. Ha ha, I love it. I don't know what the other rooms look like, but I love it, I love it. I love that you're here. Some of you are first generation. Some of you are second generation. Some of, you are third. Some of you have been here for a long time, right? Some of you are ambiguous. I don't know. Mom and dad were this and that. And I don't know. I don't even know what I am, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter. There's, there's, there's one bigger than that that unites us all. And I love this. I love that you're here. I love that our kids are growing up together because we are better together in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, right? Because we're called to reconcile cultures, So Jesus says, you can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And so here's how God led us to say it, is that we're called to build strong families. We're called to transform the community. We're called to reconcile cultures. And then we're called to impact the nations. We're called to impact the nations. One of the big issues, I think, with the church at large in America is that we often are rich towards ourselves, but we're very poor towards everyone else. Right, right. Like we have really big spaces, really expensive spaces, really ornate spaces, but then we just kind of forsake the rest of the world, right? And we believe that God led us to lift up our eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest and to actually have a worldwide perspective, not just a us for and no more perspective, right? So here's what we do. We do a handful of things. We go on mission trips, dozens of mission trips every single year, right? Um, And here's what I always tell our teams, right, is like maybe a third of what happens on the mission trip is things you do. The other two-thirds is what God does in you because you come back different. You have a different perspective after you've gone on a mission trip. You're more others-oriented. God kills that selfishness on the inside of you, right? And so I believe this, guys. Every single person who's a part of Victory should go on a mission trip at some point in your life. The sooner, the better sooner the better, okay? Um, We've also raised up literally dozens of full-time missionaries outside of this house. Um, Years ago, we committed um, to working towards to giving 20% of the finances that come in back out into missions, into evangelism. Um, Right now, we support over 80 missionaries. In other words, you guys, y'all, Y'all, y'all uh, support over eighty missionaries uh, here locally as well as globally, especially globally, most globally. In fact, um, our our monthly missions giving just to the missionaries is over one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Like that's what you guys are a part of, right? You didn't even know that, but that's that's the heartbeat of who God's called us to be is to impact nations. We just had our Christmas gift to the world where we give that um, half of it local, half of it global. Um, and over the, over the life of Christmas gift to the world, we dug water wells and built orphanages and turned brothels into churches and rescued and saved and redeemed people all, all over the place. I love it. And I gave a, a final number last week. We actually have an updated final number because y'all keep giving. You gotta stop. You gotta stop. Okay, so our Christmas gift to the world total this year is, is still the highest it's ever been. It's $840,000. I talk, I talk to the rabies in, in Benin, and they're like through the roof about what, what those resources are gonna do. Which brings the total number over the over the life of victory that we've given out into missions and evangelism to $88.4 million. I love it. And so listen, we're, we're, we're always giving out into missions. So how do you do that? I, don't, I would be remiss if I didn't say it. It's this thing called heart of the house. So what goes into that heart of the house goes out into missions. It supports our missionaries. Um, it, it, it helps us do things like giving cars to single moms. We do that from time to time, to digging water wells and building churches, all these sorts of things, okay? That's, that's how we're continually infusing provision to the vision that God has called us to out in the world. Why? Because God called us to impact nations, right? So, what is the vision of victory? Here it is very plainly, all in one line. The vision of victory is to build families, transform communities, reconcile cultures, impact the nations. That is how God called us to accomplish his mission of being image bearers who go make image bearers, being disciples who go make other disciples. And I'm telling you guys, I'm hungry for it. I'm hungry for it, okay? In fact, let's just do this, okay? Let's close our eyes here across all of our campuses. Because, again, I believe that vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. And I'd even say it like this. And if it's up to me, I want to see it become a reality. And so, Father, right now, I pray for fresh vision into this house. One, a stirring up about the vision of this house. But even a stirring up inside every single human heart, God, under the sound of my voice, about what it looks like to live with a vision for our lives. We don't wanna just be aimlessly wandering around in life. Everybody ends up somewhere in life. Very few end up there on purpose. God, we wanna live with vision. And right now, I thank you for the vision that you've given this house. Right now, God, I I just kinda, I put the vision of building families, building strong families in front of my mind's eye. And God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. You are killing divorce in our midst. In Jesus' name. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we're calling wayward husbands and wayward wives home. God, we're calling a restoration of the hearts of the fathers back to the hearts of the children and the hearts of the children back to the hearts of the fathers. In the name of Jesus, God, I believe that you are breaking generational curses and instilling, imparting generational blessing in this house in Jesus' name, building strong families. God, I put that that vision of what it would look like God, if every single one of us owned the spiritual condition of our community, of our neighborhoods, God, I pray that we wouldn't just be people who go to church, we would go and be people who are the church once we leave here. God, that we would take the gospel everywhere we go. God, give us a fresh vision of what it would look like for our neighbors to come to know Christ. God, for our coworkers to come to know Jesus, for our extended family to come to faith in Christ, to actually see a revolution happen. God, as the gospel touches outside of the four walls of our home. Father, I'm putting the the vision of reconciling cultures in front of my mind, and I thank you for what you've historically done here. But God, I pray for a fresh season of it. God, I pray that in our midst, God, racism dies, prejudices melt away, and fresh, spirit-led unity under the blood of Jesus Christ under the banner of Jesus Christ, God, that you would make us one. So we'd see the fulfillment of John 17, that he said that when we're finally one, that's when the world's gonna know that he was sent by the Father. And God, I'm putting this vision of impacting nations before my mind. God, I'm praying for, for, for all of us right now, God, that you would begin to lift up our eyes and see that there is a big world out there. It's way bigger than us four and no more. And God, we would begin to sow into that. We would begin to go into that we would begin to pray into that. And I pray over all these things, God, that we would know that that what we do and what we say, it's not disconnected. When we give, when we serve, when we pray, we're actually giving provision to the vision. So God, may we not be a people who simply attend and sit next to each other. May we be a family who does this together because we are victory. And God, I pray over pray us right now. And I know this, I know this, God, that all these things are empty if they're not fueled by relationship with Jesus. So we don't wanna just kind of skip past this moment. In fact, I, I just wanna offer this. This is a beautiful thing. We, we don't always find ourselves in divine moments, but you're in one of those today. And so if today, if you just kind of, right, hear that knocking at your heart, that's Jesus. That thing that says, oh, wow, am, how am I to even be here? Does this really even apply to me? Like, who am I in the sight of God? I'm, I'm so dirty. Yeah, and that's why Jesus came. So we have an opportunity right here to turn and repent from death and to come into life in Jesus' name. And so that's the, I wanna offer that to every single one of us. So at all of our campuses and online, here in a room, in the house churches, if today, if God's leading you to come to faith in Jesus, we're just gonna press right into this moment. We're gonna pray together and family of God around you, we're gonna pray together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, I confess that you are God. You died on the cross for my sin. And right now, I repent. I turn from my rebellion, from my wickedness, from my sin, from the darkness. And I turn to Jesus. I step into the light. I come into faith. And today, I say that Jesus Christ is my King and my Savior. I am forgiven. And I am free by faith in Jesus. I am clean and I'm a child of God. And I'll live for you the rest of my days to be a disciple who goes and makes other disciples, to be an image bearer who makes other image bearers. All for the glory and the name and the fame of the son of God, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God glory what he's doing in this house and for everybody who just said yes to Jesus. Amen, God bless you guys.